Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is April 15, 2020, and today, for me and a bunch of other Orthodox Christians, it is uh, Holy Wednesday, Great Wednesday, and that is the day that we remind ourselves of the day that, you know, Jesus uh, was at Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, right? And then a woman came and, you know, put oint, uh, ointment all over over him and someone was like what are you doing we could have sold it and he was like she's getting me ready for burial and that was the day that Judas uh, went and whispered into chief priest ears and said what will you give me to deliver him to you and they paid him 30 pieces of silver. So today is the day of betrayal, uh, where, you know, betrayal uh, can come in many, many forms. Betrayal can come in in a a form of usurpation, complete stab in the back, right? Uh, And unapologetic for it. And that is uh, something that we encounter at all stages of of our lives, in school, uh, as adults, um, in love, in, in finance, in, in anything, right? We get stabbed in the back somehow. But the um, the worst betrayal is that of um, uh, usurpation, right? When you usurp something. And so with that in mind, you know, today is a, a pretty interesting day. I thought, um, you know, we could talk about that. And, and you guys know that over the years, I, I love to share. Share um, knowledge so that you can use because it's not uh, something that should be maintained in the hands of the few, but also with knowledge, our eyes open. And, you know, since we already have all the tools and we have all the information, uh, the thing is, when can we like open up that eye and just see it a little bit clearer? So we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to tell you about, um, you know, uh, a certain scenario and that'll help. And I may have a special guest on the second half of Tori Says that'll kind of run in uh, from this show on the first hour. Uh, so remember, the, the one thing that I've always said is that everything has a purpose. Everything has a motivation. Everything has a driver. And not only that, we've lost the ability of what? To hear between the words, to listen, read between the lines, because we've actually lost the ability to listen because we've been spoon-fed, uh, you know, very small tidbits over time. This was the most perfect plan that they could have over hundreds of years to um, condition us, condition us to be chipping away at every single thing until they get us where they want us. Because by force, it never works. There's always a revolt. But if you've taken it away slowly over time, you wake up one day and you're just like, wait a minute, what happened? I thought, I, I, I thought, and you're just confused. And at that point, you are completely disarmed. Because you are unable to formulate independent thought. You are unable to discern things and have something that we've been talking about here for a long time, which is an objective perspective. And this is why I always urge people, you know, to kind of think, you know, there, there could be ways that you can stand on the moon and look down and that way problems look smaller. Speaking of perspectives and angles, seriously. So I, um, had a, um, you know, Millie Weaver's actually a friend. I have very good friends that I actually put into my family life, my close circle. And so it was, 
a lot of fun yesterday, uh, meeting with her at a location, uh, you know, and at this location, we kind of like sat down, uh, just so you know, I was wearing like sweatpants under a dress. It was the most fun I've had for a long time because, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm having a little bit more fun because what people don't seem to understand is your uh, career, the choice that you do. And I say this all the time must be something that makes you happy, happy that you can express the happiness. Now, my happy place is when I actually have my anchor job, you know, that anchors me down, which is helping people, uh, you know, helping tons of people. And, you know, my currency on that is, is, is thank yous. I, I think the most powerful, um, currency your soul can have is a thank you. And, and, and I, and I love that. And, and then that is the source of what a public servant is, uh, you know, a public servant or someone that, that loves their country or loves humanity, right? And humans will serve and enjoy doing it. Even if they're not being paid or not being paid well enough for what they do, they do it out of, uh, you know, this, this, this innate quality that every single human being has, which is good. So, um, I, I wanted to say it was a little bit hard for me uh, as someone. Uh, have you guys ever seen that viral video of that baby that can't hear? And then suddenly they, you know, turn on the switch where they've put the implant so the baby can hear. And then it hears the mom's voice. And it's like, whoa, you know, it's like startled. So this, you know, the fact that this NDA, which wasn't, listen, it wasn't a big deal. I've been talking about tack, but not mentioning it straight out. I've just been talking about, you know, global. Global Strategies Group or GSG, you know, they keep putting them interchangeable with the crown and that's purposeful, by the way, um, you know, which is overseas. So like, what are they going to do? Like private company overseas, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, they have the power to do a lot. Let's just, I mean, we saw the Russia hoax, right? But, um, you know, I had to wait for that um, in order to be able to draw out more attention to where the things are. I don't have to give it to you. Because we already have everything we need. We need, we have all the information we want. And the question is, why isn't anyone acting on it? Why isn't anyone implementing it? Why aren't we just pulling it, you know, out from under? And that's because of the way we have been conditioned. And I'll show you what I mean. This is like one of the biggest psychological operations on the masses for the past hundred years uh, with, an, uh, with an epic uptick in rollout from Nixon and beyond. And, you know, I feel bad for Nixon. I'm just going to say that. He had no idea that he was just being, you know, d driven and pushed and boxed. So, and, and, you know, that happened to JFK too, right? Uh, with JFK was the, was the signifier. That was the signifier of don't you dare try to throw a wrench in any of this. We'll take care of that. So this is how you know just how powerful they are because they are everywhere. And they're not just, you know, government. They're not stupid. You know, a government uh, operation is not going to send someone and say, oh, yeah, you know, they, they totally work for, you know, agencies, so-and-so. No. They're going to be a contractor that's that's a that's a contractor through a vendor that is all, and that vendor is a vendor of someone else. And it's like so many degrees of separation. I mean, you have to ask yourself, look at where all these clowns go when they get out of service and then come back. I mean, we're talking L3 Communications. We're talking Bull. We're talking Lockheed. The, the, these are all feeding all again into that one company that I work for. And, um, 
you know, tax, Stanley, CGI, all of them are just spinoffs. And you have to wonder, like, why is the government outsourcing everything? Why are you outsourcing things when you can hire real Americans? You have so much data, so much data to be able to discern who's actually going to do it because they love their country and who's not. Why are you giving clearances and titles to people you know will violate them? I mean, you know what makes a person tick. You have all their data. I mean, you could just get it from Google. You can, you can tap into anyone's phone records and text and, you know, search history and you know what they like, what they do, how they feel about things, how they respond to things. You can see everything. So why are we just relying on vendors to hire people that is the most easiest way to infiltrate? And today I'll demonstrate that just to show you, not on a small scale, we're talking country scales. And, you know, hopefully the example that I bring and, uh, you know, will help, you know, shed some, it'll kill a couple of birds with one stone. Uh, so uh, you'll, you'll understand how operations work. So that way you have a clearer view of what you see. Because when I said this was going to be the most civil, civil war you have ever seen in your life back in 2014 and 2015, I meant it. It is the most civilized civil war because you can't fight it. You can't pull the wheels off of a running train and you can't rip the floor out either. So you're kind of darned if you do and darned if you don't. So you've got to find that good balance. And we saw the president demonstrate that yesterday because yesterday, like a boss, he did exactly what, I, you know, I consider myself a great, uh, you know, self-proclaimed, okay? Let's just put it that way. Game theorist. And I'll show you how I played a game, which will take out a few birds, a lot of birds with one stone. Looking at you, Hillary. So, um, you know, he used that to his advantage. I, I said he doesn't have to make a decision to open up the country and close it because he has every right to. He's the president of the United States. But... He has the right to delegate and give that power. I mean, you know, Newsom made it clear. I am the governor and we have we have our own independence. <laughs> How did he put it? It's like, all right, Gestapo, paying the snitches, whatever. You, you have the most corrupt. And what did I say? I wrote that article last week and I said, listen, this is what my opinion is. He should absolutely do, he shouldn't do and he shouldn't do nothing. He should just delegate it. Delegate it to the governors. Let their own constituents attack them like we're seeing in Michigan. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Because see, it's not just going to be the conservatives. It's not going to be just the centrists. It's going to be the leftists that are going to be going insane. Are you insane? This isn't what we want. We want this. And dildos down, they'll start voting. They'll take their vote seriously on a, on, on, you know, from the most closest level. We're talking city councils, school councils, mayors, governors, you know, state, state, um, you know, your, your state auditors, all of these have to be done correctly because when you don't, you get what Michigan has, you get what New York has, you get what California has, and then you're paying taxes, paying taxes, and you end up with absolutely zilch. So I want to play just a few minutes of the first few questions, and I want everyone to listen to how the president responds to these things. And then we'll remember what I said back at the beginning of March of how the president of the United States is a genius for parading around the clowns. Uh, so take a listen to this. We'll take them, and if not, that would be okay, too. Yeah, go ahead, please, Jeff. Uh, Mr. President, two questions. 
First, on your uh, announcement about the WHO, I understand your grievances with them. Yeah. But can you address why it is the correct time to do this now in the middle of the? Of a well, we're going to be dealing with countries, and we're going to be dealing with uh, leaders of different parts of the world. Uh, we spend 500 million a year. We have for many years, more, far more than anybody else, including China, and. I mean, look, I read off a long list of problems that we have, and we've had problems with them for years. It doesn't matter. We're looking at a term of 60 to 90 days. We're doing a very thorough investigation right now as we speak. But this should have been done by previous administrations a long time ago. And when you look at the mistakes that were made, all of the mistakes that were made, it's just something we have to look at. And it is very China-centric. I told that to President Xi. I said the world health organization is very China-centric, meaning whatever it is, China was always right. You can't do that. can't do that. Uh, not right. And we spend it. Again, it's not a question of money. But when we're spending $500 million and China's spending $38 million, $34 million, $40 million, $42 million in a case, uh, it's, again, not money, but it's not right. So we'll see. This is an evaluation period, but in the meantime, we're putting a hold on all funds going to World Health. We will be able to take that money and channel it to the areas that most need it. And that's another way of doing it. But we have not been treated properly. Mr. President, Mr. President, yes. Mr. President you, you mentioned that you're going to be speaking with the, all the governors yes. tomorrow. Make recommendations. On probably Thursday. On pro Thursday. Uh, what if they don't listen to you or take your advice or obey you? Will you will you consider taking away their federal funding? I don't want to say that. Uh, they'll listen. They'll be fine. I think we're going to have a good relationship. They need the federal government, uh, not only for funding, and I'm not saying take it away, but they need it for advice. They'll need maybe equipment that we have. We have a tremendous stockpile that we're in the process of completing. We're in a very good position. Again, the cupboard was bare when I got here. Nobody ever thought a thing, in all fairness to previous administrations, nobody ever thought anything like this was going to happen. But it did happen. No, the governors would be very, very respectful of the presidency. Again, this isn't me. This is the presidency. The presidency has such an, a great importance in terms of what we're doing. And you can talk about Constitution. You can talk about federalism. You can talk about whatever you want. But the best way I'm talking now from a managerial standpoint is to let individual governors run individual states and come to us if they have difficulty and we will help them. Yeah, John. You talk about having testing uh, and tracing equipment uh, the, and, and the facility for that in place to open up the government. Uh, Dr. Fauci said this morning that that critical testing and tracing ability does not currently exist. Well, I will, don't know. Look, will, I don't know. Will, will hey, John, it I don't know what he said. My, my question is, will it exist by May 1st? Uh, the individual governors have testing. The individual governors, we have many forms of testing, and new testing is being developed. Uh, our country has to get open, and it will get open, and it'll get open safely and hopefully quickly. Okay, so let's recap from those three questions. That's all we have to, that's all we need from this whole conference. 
So the first thing that the question was, it was about defunding the World Health Organization. And he said, it's not just about the money. Remember how in February I told you that video of Pelosi was very, very important. The one where she was like, come to Chinatown. We make fortune cookies in America. Hence why the article, the opinion piece I wrote, uh, which was pretty much an open uh, letter uh, to the IC and uh, the, the executive office was, hey, call them out. Let's do it. Gavin Newsom just gave us a bone. Let's do it because this is how corrupt people work. And when you uh, walk in the trenches, uh, you 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 know you think you get desensitized to sewage. Actually, you get to def- you get a good nose for it to understand <laughs> what is what. Right? You get to understand uh, you know what C diff is. Who's having? <laughs> I don't want to get into the gross stuff, but you get what I'm saying. So uh, I he said exactly. Let's go. World Health. It's not about the money. It's about how they handled it, which means who was driving the World Health Organization to collude against global, the global population to minimize the risk, which means they were aiding in deployment of this infodemic. That is key. I told you about the human to human. I told you little age, big age. Remember, I pointed that out and then, you know, the site took it down, of course, Uh, because, you know, even though I'm not a blue check mark, I'm not a brand and I don't like the spotlight after I got sick. And, you know, I've not uh, concealed my health concerns and, you know, suddenly not, you know, recognizing my own, you know, physique. Uh, It even makes me more recluse. I mean, uh, you know, I'm also, I'm also human. So (laughs) I have insecurities, but I don't like the spotlight because I, of my whole life, I've been in the dark. I haven't been able to tell anyone what I actually do. I mean, I can go back and gravitate to my core, but then they ask questions like, how do you know this? How do you know that? Well, you know, I don't know, just a nerd, I guess. I mean, how do you explain it? And then if you do explain, oh yeah, you know, I kind of did this and nobody wants to be your friend because <laughs> they're like, um, that's awkward. How do you become friends with someone that you know can suss you out within three seconds? How do you know you become friends with someone that may or may not have friends that can find out everything there is to know about you? You don't. And it's kind of like, it's like a superpower. I don't know. You, you know, we've seen it and it's not a superpower. Okay. Let's just get that straight. Okay. But, uh, it's like those movies where, you know, um, what was that? What was that? That movie where the person can read people's thoughts and they were like, well, I don't do it because then it doesn't allow me to be normal. It's kind of like that. It's not like I could read your thoughts. Okay. Don't, 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 you, you know what I mean? So I, I've been telling you guys everything that has been panning out. Why? Is it because I can time travel? Because time traveling is a very specific term for something else. I mean, we don't fit. Well, I can't say that. But let's just say it's, it's, it's different than what you conceive it. And um, I, I mean, I've actually told my audience over two and a half years, drop by drop by, you know, little Easter eggs. You know what I mean? And we... My listener base from Red State, where I started over two years ago, um, understands that. So what did we see here? Uh, We talked about how the World Health Organization, uh, you know, this is February and March we were talking about this, how they said, oh, you know, it's not human to human transmissible. Little h to little h. It is very specific. Very, you know, these people, they're, 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 um, insane, you know, uh, 
the symbolism <laughs> is so insane. I mean, these people, that'll be their downfall because it's like, if, if there's me, I encourage, encourage every single person like me that's now retired or not retired or still doing stuff to speak up. I mean, you have this presidency as an umbrella. This is where you get emboldened because you know that there's someone there that's really dropping the hammer and fixing this. And you know what the people are seeing right now with the World Health Organization colluding and you would say with China, you know, the Chinese were stiff too. Let's just be honest. So this is all part of their little game. And what you got to be is a good gamer, right? You got to know how to you know, make the next move or when not to make a move and uh, kind of just sit back and watch and then strike because you have to look weak in order to win. Uh, that's, that's the way it always goes. You have to look weak. So you have to think, so we talked about the world health organization and then they go, oh my gosh, you're stopping it out. He's like, why am I getting strangulated? it, make it broke. Just like the UN saying, Oh, well we have no good, good for you. <laughs> you're unnecessary. We don't need your sovereignty in different places. You're Good. Stay where you are. So we have them talking about that. And the president inferred, not inferred, he actually said, it's not about the money. Okay. And we're, you know, doing this multi-billion dollar investigation into them. So we're going to look at it. And remember, what did I say? He created this task force. Why? He's parading the, cl the clowns right in front of you. He's saying, you're saying these are experts. So I'm going to make Pence because he likes, you know, <laughs> Remember that super PAC we talked about? I actually wrote about it. And the um, right conservative site that I wrote it for, which a lot of my listeners get their information for, took it down, uh, which was su super on point talking, you know, the wire, the 25th Amendment. But we'll leave it there. You know, uh, controlling your enemy is always the best uh, way to go. <laughs> but, you know, he put them all up there put one put person in the front to lead and said, Yo, you agree. These are your specials. I mean, this guy's been doing it for how many years and has been milking for how many? This chick has been doing it for how many? And remember, I told you about her love letters to Yovanovitch, but you know, I didn't show it because I don't have to, because it wasn't the time to pull it out. That'll come later uh, because timing is everything too. But he put them on the spot and allowed you to see who they are. Why? Because the world is watching. He's got you at home with internet connection and, you know, the boundaryless searches. So there you are finding everything you need to know about Bill Gates, the college dropout. That's really smart, but he wouldn't be that smart if it wasn't for his dad. Let's just put it. I mean, he is smart. We can't, but there's a difference between being smart and being intelligent. So, uh, that's the way, um, you know, I see it. So what we have here is them trying to get a gotcha moment. Their other gotcha moment was like, well, what if the governors don't obey you? Right. Did you hear that question? What if they don't obey you? What do you mean obey? What is he, uh, you know, a dictator? What are you trying to say? See, he did exactly what my opinion piece said was the best solution because it's a no brainer. Anybody could have saw that. Uh, you would have seen it if you sat down and had the time to contemplate about it. Right. It's classic game theory. 
theory. If you play video games, this would be the strategy you'd use too. So he is now giving the reins to the governors. Oh, are you going to withhold federal aid? Oh, I guess they're all reading Tory says. Well, he's not going to tell you that, but he's going to say, hey, Governor Newsom, you're asking for this money. Why don't you show me why you need it? Coronavirus victims. Let me audit and see. Are these really coronavirus victims or what? Like, you know, is that, you know, guy that fell out of the sky with no, you know, parachute now a coronavirus victim? I don't think you need that money. So this is how you fix things by allowing them to pull their own pants down. So, uh, you know, we saw what he had to say and he answered the question. Dr. Fauci said this morning, no, Dr. Fauci didn't say anything. You don't know what he said. Do you know what that tells you? You have no idea where I've put Dr. Fauci because he's not here right now. Dr. Burks is sitting across from me, sitting all nicely before I walk out like a boss from the Rose Garden and not even acknowledge, oh, let's get the coronavirus task team now up to talk to you. He just walked out. He didn't want anyone involved. He didn't want anyone talking. And Burks, she knows her place now. So this is how you deal with people like this. You let them um, smack, smack, smack. Let them think you're weak. Let them think you're infiltrated. And then... (laughs) Boom. And like he said, they're the last people that he's going to tell them what they're doing and how they're doing it. What we need to do is just listen to the president of the United States. Don't even listen to me or anyone because it's up to you to cultivate that innate ability to have objectivity because right now we're all very subjective on how we think, how we operate and what we do. So after this short break, because you know, I love to um, you know, advertise the causes that I am for and what I represent. Um, we're going to get into where I'm going to show you how massive operations, just like the one that the World Health Organization with all the globalist cabal pushed on a smaller scale, but that'll take out a lot of people at once. It's a fabulous example and it'll help set up you know, what we're going to be talking about in the second hour with a special guest. So I'll see you all in just a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. And I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. 
So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So here is where you're going to understand the rest of this uh, through an example. But before we go there, we're going to revisit a concept, a concept that I have, uh, you know, reiterated again and again. It's actually a strategy, a strategy that is used again and again when you want to infiltrate. Infiltration is the key. It's not just dividing because you can't divide from the outside. I mean, Barack Hussein Obama was so blatant. And you know this Moroccan idiot, you know, fudged it all up because he was cocky, right? That's basically it. And that's because he had, you know, you know, the thing like Brennan and other, the people that actually ran Brennan, let's put it this way, they, right? Um, that did it. So let me, let me tell you about something that you already know, or you may not know because you never were told about, but a while back, right? There, you do you guys remember General Petraeus and how they found things in his wall and notes? <laughs> you think a lot of people in intelligence don't have things stashed somewhere, uh, only because they have a conscious or for blackmail, right? The ones with conscious never have them on their person, never have them. They could be grilled with you know fingernails being pried, and they'd be like, "Dude, seriously, I don't know where it is." That's how good. You know how um, I always say that too. I, I, you know, when you put that the keys or something that you have and you're like, I'm going to put it in a safe place, you know, and it's an actually ongoing joke between me and my daughters where it's like, mom, did you put it in your safe place again? And it's like, yep, I did when it's lost. So the U.S. military, uh, General Petraeus was actually one on, you know, psyops. He was the, you know, they call it the, the countering extremist ideology and propaganda. Are you getting this? 
So the military actually developed software and um, a company, um, well, a command called CENTCOM uh, had worked with Twitter. And this is where they piloted it to you. The invisible enemy piloted it to you right under your nose and you participated. So the project was actually linked to web experts um, in the way China controls and restricts free speech on the internet. And, you know, there are a lot of people that complain about that. I mean, look at the free speech hindrances we have now. Look at the power that Jack Dorsey has now, right? Because I've had an account with Twitter, just for those that don't know, from day one that Twitter was opened and that was shut down, my personal one. Had tens of thousands of followers and shut down because, you know, that's when they really shut down people. People they knew they had to shut down was back then. So, you know, this is my professional Twitter account that I've kind of uh, started using uh, for the radio show. Uh, not my own personal one that had other personal tidbits in it. Now I just mish the two together, right? But um, the military has done this. And how they do this is by creating sock puppets. Now, one would say one in the same, the word sock puppet and butt right? But it's not. One is AI where Alice steps in and she, you know, takes control of the wheel. And the other one is actually physical sock puppets. So let me explain to you how a sock puppet is created by giving you an example of one that I created myself. So uh, back in the early 2000s, early 2000s, um, uh, you know, I, like I say, I know a lot about nuclear energy. I've had a lot of, you know, radio shows where I've explained to you the differences and what the history is on how, you know, the nuclear energy market it became and I ran. Uh, I've, 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 I've gone through all of it with you. So now I'm going to tell you about a story that you probably don't know. So once upon a time, <laughs> once upon a time, um, GSG wanted to uh, be able to monitor uh, trade between China and Ariva. Uh, so Ariva is an energy company and China obviously uses nuclear energy like nobody's business. And the way they do this is they trade energy packets. That's what it's called. So, uh, you know, um, insert me as an energy, you know, aficionado per se, not really. My job was to listen and sock puppet. So there was this one company, Dragon Oil, right? That wanted to dabble into that. And that company actually is Saudi, right? Most of the work that they do is like Kazakh, Termek, Uzbek, all those areas. So they were in Ukraine, okay, go figure. And so they were trying to negotiate some deal um, with Ariva. And the, Ariva is a French company, just so you know. I, I don't want to get into too many details because I only have like 20 minutes before I have to bring my guests on. So uh, what we did was I created a, 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 not just myself, but the idea was to earwig and infiltrate dragon oil. And how do you do that? When you have Ukrainians posing as Russians as a front, right? So that way Westinghouse is uh, more comfortable for some reason, whatever. <laughs> Ukraine and Westinghouse comfortable. I mean, maybe the common denominator would have been the would-be Secretary of State later, but I digress, Enron. So here we are where they... Um, uh, you know, we want to get in there. How do we infiltrate it? Well, we identify with it. 
So what we did was we hijacked an identity of a consulting company uh, that um, actually put out pretty good data. They were a very small boutique company. The reason this was done wasn't because so much we wanted to see the channels between China and France, right, in their energy packet transfers and all these merges that actually came out later uh, because of this shift of this sock puppet company, okay, company. What we really wanted to find out is how there were companies that had small little boutique energy companies outside of the purview. And these were boutique, like we're talking boutique, like you walk in to that and there's like two people and they manage the most money. One of them is called Damazian and other names, let's just say. And guess where they have offices? In Monaco. <laughs> Uh, funny, huh? So we needed to find out those locations. So in order to do that, we had to use the Saudi clout. Now the Saudi clout would have come in with dragon oil. So here it is. And John, who's the boss and me <laughs> doesn't show up, but puts in a nice report where what happened? Dragon Oil embraced it because they didn't know, they thought that Ariva and China and anyone else wouldn't know that their consultants weren't really in-house and it wasn't them. So they hijacked the information we gave and purported it as their own. And the reason they did this is because they wanted to maneuver a better deal. In essence, it really helped. So at that point, during these conversations about the energy packet transfers that they were having, Q Music, they decide that they need to hire some people to help mitigate. And obviously, uh, you know, names pop up at the pile and there we go. We have a team of, you know, six people sitting down that they hired because, you know, they have to bring you in and you're just listening and you already know how this is going to play out anyway. So you don't care what you're looking for is what you want. And so there you are looking for what you want. And what I noticed was people uh, don't seem to understand that this strategy that the military has deployed and corrupt organizations have deployed happens all the time. It's kind of like, you know, someone coming out and, you know, uh, Let's make up a fictitious, you know, character. There's a fictitious character. Oh, like Deep Throat. Let's pretend Deep Throat. Let's pretend we never knew who Deep Throat was. Um, and someone decided to hijack Deep Throat and like say that they're Deep Throat because not because they are, but because they know Deep Throat will never come out because maybe they already know he's dead or because they want to sway the base of Deep Throat elsewhere or they want to fracture. You know, it's a it's a hijacking thing. And this was something that was done in the energy market, uh, but, you know, piloted obviously by our very own Hillary Clinton. You know, when we talk uranium one deal, guys, you have no idea. Okay. No idea. Uh, you know, the whole ushering samples and stuff or like, you know, the, the, yeah, whatever next, the actual stuff is pretty terrifying in the way they operate and how they do it and how they hijack countries that they find have, um, you know, the resources that they want, especially rare earth mil minerals. But anyway, so here we have, uh, what we call, you know, uh, this, this scenario where I'm sitting across from the guy and he's literally 
saying things I've said. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like, you know, I've gone through the looking glass before, but this is kind of like the left hand meets the right hand. They all look the same, but they're opposite. He was utilizing the information provided that I had, that I was putting out there as his own. And then he was telling it to me. And that was the best way I can extract information, right? Because how am I going to find out other things when I know his speak because he's using my speak? That's the way, you know, this is why the FBI interviews people. This is why the police interview people and they put you in a box and start talking. Obviously, they don't know your speak. But could you imagine if, you know, a guy that robs a liquor store um, actually robbed a liquor store based on a plan he found, you know, on Google how to rob a liquor store and the person that wrote that plan is actually the cop interviewing him? The cop will find out even more stuff, like even the keystrokes he put in to find the plan. Like that is how it is. So sock puppets are the way things are, you know, deployed, uh, you know, so people can pick up and mirror and then, you know, um, fracture whatever is going. And the military is key to this. This is how we infiltrate enemies. This is how we get intelligence. I mean, and it sounds really shady because it is, it's totally shady. It's not straightforward, but then, you know, straightforward is walking and marching and meeting at the top of the hill. And you always know the front line's getting shot first. So there's always, um, methods to go around. So with that in mind, think of infiltration and in the sense of the coronavirus, think of infiltration in the sense of the Russia hoax. Think, I mean, the media, right? They knew the media was powerful, right? So what do they do? They try to push the media, you know, when it, when it became in the early 1900s as a powerhouse source, because it was supposedly that of integrity. That's why when people were like, oh, this has integrity, define what you mean integrity, define what you mean by this. This is how you put things together. So they infiltrated the media, infiltrated by way of first, they tried to guide, right? Then they placed their own and then their own would then train others and gain notoriety from it and then get like a following of this is how you follow because this is how you become important, right? Or this is how you succeed. This is what we're seeing play out right in front of us today. Uh, and it's been playing out for many years, but we are finally able to see it. We are finally able to see it just from the questions they put out there, because guess what? How much you want to make a bet that the questions these idiots are writing, they think are coming from their own team, but we're writing it. Why? Because that's how we see who leaked. That's how we see we talk. So when he said, Dr. Fauci said, he's like, you don't know what Dr. Fauci, you don't, Nobody knows what he said. Why? Because you don't know where Dr. Fauci is. Do you see him here? So obviously now I know who gave you that information. So you're fired. This is how you use psyops against psyops, right? They're psyoping the whole world and now you have to psyop them. And this takes us back to other movements. Like we saw the Proud Boys. It was just a bunch of dudes that were really proud and look at how they evolved. The Groypers. that's going to bite us later. So these are little movements, you know, they've evolved by being infiltrated. Not bad, not bad, infiltrated. This is how you destroy movement. So the thing is, you know, we have to be very aware of where our true North is. You have to be aware. Don't follow. I see people 
that come out and talk. They do YouTube, they tweet, they, they write articles, they say, they're just like, oh, listen to me. And you know, for me, it's like, oh, it's like so blatant because I can see it. I know the pattern because I've used the pattern. That was my job. That was my job for the majority of my lifetime. So I've used the pattern. Like, what are you doing? So all of you should be able to recognize the pattern, recognize the pattern of the, uh, you know, Putting, 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 and then sometimes the hoarding, 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 right? It's kind of like how Media Matters was saying, oh, just listen to me because I know. Or CNN, don't listen to them. We're the real news. We're going to tell you if the Podesta emails are really real or not. The hoarding of I'm your point of contact. You are your own point of contact. Okay. You are your own North star, right? Your true North is within you. Nobody can point it out. Nobody can tell you where it is. You decided because you know, when you find your true North, when you're at your happy place, right? Um, when you're at your happy place and you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel so good. That's your happy place. That's your North. That's what you follow because emotions are totally disconnected from our actually our, our thought processes. Just so you know, this is scientific, right? They're separate. And this is what troubles, uh, you know, programs or attempts to box and hijack your reality. You know, with, uh, you know, people have talked about MK Ultra and all these, but they found a better way, which is hijacking your reality, uh, superimposing different information at all times to confuse you to the point that you're stalled and you will just follow whatever makes sense at that point that you stall. So if you follow this, you follow, you know, like these Trump derangement syndrome people, they were bombarded with so much information, the same information you got, but you didn't go out waving a dildo in the street or deciding that you're going to identify as a piece of furniture. It's, it's that stalling, you know, that happens. And then it's like, suddenly you have this thing in front of you and that's it. Okay. For example, I remember, um, because I, I obviously have ADD, but that's, uh, that's probably from traumatic experience, you know, from what I know. And I remember <laughs> I was telling my, uh, my, um, general practitioner, you know, I'm really having a problem focusing. It's like, I can't be bothered to listen to what someone says. I just want like this and I can't focus on doing this. And then when there's a test, I'm sitting there and I'm like hypothesizing, well, what if the atoms spin like this and that rather than freaking just finishing the problem? Oh, you sound like you have ADD. Fun story. So she prescribes me Adderall and I take one uh, and I don't take it anymore because then I can't think like I do. Um, But I remember that when I took it about an hour later, I was, um, you know, cleaning my bookshelf, like dusting my book because I have a lot of books and I was dusting my bookshelf. All I could do was clean. It was like I was so hyper focused, you know, and I told the doctor like I can't do it. Oh, she's like, oh, that's because, you know, suddenly you're you stop and then you're just like whatever you're doing at that point, you know, you hyper focus. And I'm like, dude, this is like weird stuff. Like, why do you give people this thing? We give this stuff to kids. You know what I'm saying? This is drugs. This is, this is how it guides your thought. And she's like, oh, well, it's very good. No wonder they're giving it to kids, right? Where they're in school, where they're being indoctrinated. But that is exactly the whole plan of a PSYOP is to put you in a place where you're stalled. And then at the very moment, you actually have that stalling moment where you pause and then your eyes are focused on whatever's in front of you. It could be, you know, petting your cat or, you know, looking at, you know, Pelosi making sense (laughs) if that even happens ever, but it does because you have people that really believe to their core, uh, you know, what they're being told. And that's because of that stalling. So, 
What you have to know is that CENTCOM, uh, they had this contract with them, and they stipulated that every um, every fake online persona had to have a convincing background and history supporting details, you know, so that way everybody can find, you know, uh, oh, yeah, it checks out, right? And um, CENTCOM was actually questioned about this, and Commander Bill um, speaks. He said, the technology supports classified blogging activities on foreign language sites to to enable CENTCOM to counter violent extremist and enemy propaganda outside the United States. So let me tell you something. Let's take this, uh, this movement, uh, you know, that, you know, people call it a movement. It's, it's an enlightenment really called Q, right? Everyone hates Q, everyone, except for the people that follow it, right? That understand it, that take it as a writ to think for themselves, right? How many times has it been tried to be boxed into this narrative that they're terrorists. Now, the weirdest, the, number one, I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, I pretty much believe that Q will never come out and say I'm Q, ever. And that's the way it should be. Because Q is a team. You know, they're, uh, Q is a, a method of communication, and it, is, and it is a lifeline for information uh, when it's uh, not put together correctly by those that are invested, which should be applauded rather than peed on. Though the thing about this movement is that there is nothing more that the DARPA, you know, you know, like, you know, the Pentagon has been fun doing this stuff to create a boxed version because there is nothing more. And, um, I actually had this conversation with a very good confidant of mine to have, uh, you know, people so angered that they're marching down the streets with like muskets and pictures of George Washington, uh, just to call them terrorists. And that's because they get rallied up, but you know, they want to make it seem like it is, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to Americans. They want to make it out like that. And they've failed so far a lot. And they've actually went to the point where they're instigating because they're like, whoever's on the Q team is going to come out and they're going to talk and they're going to say, look. And it's like, huh, we're all Q. Because you know what? You get a point. You go through it. You look at the stuff. You go digging because you can. This is the age of information. And then you make, uh, you know, you understand for yourself. But what Q is also showing is what I've been telling you. The reality hackers that are there hacking your reality are also being hacked. And it doesn't come just from forum boards. It comes from, you know, newspapers, digital print, radio, TV, you know, text messages, memes, you name it. So this is something that, you know, would obviously be something that a program like the one that they piloted or like the sock puppet that I explained to you where I was actually interviewing the person who was pretending to be me, right? <laughs> because they just took it. So that is where you extract the most information. So you should never, ever because you never know in movements like this, you never know who you're speaking to or why you're speaking to them because everything has a purpose. And the president has made that clear with the way he operates, the way he talks and the way he 
um, acts, um, you know, acts. Okay. I don't want to say acts, reacts to things that are going on. There we go. So it is very important for people to always be open to listen to everything because everything that is told to you has a purpose, everything. And the thing is, when do your ears allow you the ability to discern fact from fiction, sock puppet to real, right, is through listening and conversation and debate, because that is where the true light is. And you know who did that best? The president of the United States. He brought on the biggest clowns and said, they're lovely people. I love them. Come here. You are the specialist. They're all bowing down to you. You have the, you're the best. Here's the team. Take them. And he pushes them in front of him and says, talk to them about two million are going to die. Oh boy, I better send you ships. I better do this. Oh man, it's better to err, you know, to err on the, on the, on the positive side. Oh dear, look what your specialists are saying. Well, I guess we have to shut down. I guess me shutting down the borders wasn't such a bad idea. Oh dear. Oh, well now it's only 200. Oh dear. That's great news. I mean, you know, we overdid it a little bit, but I guess it was for the greater. Now it's 60,000. It's like, oh, you know. It's better that the numbers are low. I mean, he doesn't want to knock them, but this is how you do it. You let them talk. You let them go out. You let them speak. Just like Brennan's been talking from a box for a very, 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 very long time. So, you know, and there have been depositions taken and questioning happening over years. You know, yesterday I got together. I'm just going to say, I got together with Millie to put a little, you know, um, Q&A session where she had questions and how to pose them correctly. Because for me, it's really awkward. Like, I have verbal diarrhea when it comes to talking, but I also have the problem of filtering out. And I like to use humor only because I'm very insecure. I am not a front-facing person. I am extremely (laughs) in a shell. Uh, No matter how outgoing I do sound, my circle is super small super small and my actual circle, uh, my expanded circle is massive, but my actual circle is super small. There's only a few people that I'll sit and text and cry to and really, you know, ask hard questions to very few people, uh, that I'll be like bare naked to. So it was very difficult for me, but it is through those questions that we can derive the answers or what we need. So like, for example, I told you about Ariva and I told you about China, right? And I told you how I was interviewing that guy who was pretending it was me. And you know what I found out? That's how Westinghouse was linked to Ariva. That is how it was done. That is how Hillary Clinton moved it. And you know what? There's actually articles that depict that too. So the question is, if I can find all of this, obviously I have inside knowledge because I was there in the meeting, right? But If I have this knowledge, then the question you have to ask yourself is, why hasn't the government acted with that knowledge all this time? Why have they allowed it to sit and fester? Why have they allowed it to exist? Because they don't need me to point to where the drive is. They can find it themselves because it's already there because we have everything we need. It is right in front of us. The thing is, we're just not looking. We all have lazy eye. Because we've been trained to have a lazy eye and not see and not think for ourselves. So it's about time we start thinking for ourselves um, and start opening up and start conversations. And if everyone got together and spoke 
what they felt or had debates, a lot more things would be transparent a lot more quicker. And I think the president, the way he handled the coronavirus by assigning that specific team brought a lot of light to a lot of dark corners of this planet. I'll see you guys right after this break with my special guest. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So uh, in this second hour, I just want you to understand um, one thing. So everybody knows that on Sunday at 11.59 uh, p.m., finally, the NDA that I had with Attack, which is the Analysis Corporation, expired. And the only reason that that was in place uh, was just a leash, basically. Uh, so that way, uh, as I am out of balance, and not in contact and uh, not hmm, active uh, because I was busy having a baby that, um, you know, I maintain silence and it expired uh, 20 years from the date um, or, um, uh, you know, at least so so much time before I did anything that could be linked to them. Uh, so that's basically um, how it goes, right? So here's where it gets weird for everyone is that I've been talking about Global Strategies Group. And then when I actually gave the information to, I've given it to many reporters, mind you, many. CBS back in the day actually did their job and they did a, a kind of tried to pour it out and pull it out. But see, the question is nobody asked themselves when these passports were stolen, which they weren't because I actually moved them myself. Um, uh, when they were stolen, what was the end game? Because for every single operation, for every single person uh, that comes out and spearhead something, there's an end game. So that is how you uh, understand understand where it goes. Like, where does the end game with, you know, uh, you know, this person who does their own, like, you know, little thing, what's the end game? And, you know, for, for, for many things. So for what was my end game? My end game was, you know, putting him in his place. Because when I uh, encountered something that I found atrocious, something that I had suspected for a very, very, very long time, uh, to be true, um, I have, uh, you know, <laughs> I have to only think it was, I, I couldn't have been that stupid, right? How could you be so stupid? You saw the signs. <laughs> Guess what? Maybe I was conditioned not to see them and so far not to see them that I wouldn't even see if it was in my face and said, look, this is a yellow sticky note. It's in front of you right now. I wouldn't be able to, um, see it. Because I had been conditioned from a very young age to not, you know, they usually like smart kids. Uh, like, for example, I always say I'm a Mensa nerd. Yeah, 
gold carrying member since I was a kid, since I was five. When usual nine year olds were riding bikes, I was too, don't get me wrong. I was busy trying to figure out how I can create energy that can propel things further and further into the abyss uh, without it, with it being renewable, but not really renewable. And at the age of nine, I had submitted my first notebook. It was in a composition book of something that looked something like a cross between uh, an H-bomb <laughs> and uh, a hydroelectric plant using uh, an element uh, uh, on our periodic table, but it's not on our periodic table anymore um, to propel it. It, it had the same properties of uranium. Only thing is that even though it split and expanded, split and expanded, the half-life was such that if you had a capacity to be able to contain it, it wouldn't explode. It would just degrade. And, you know, with that, you know, I entered into other little programs and they had tested me. I was at the Judge Charles J. Valone School for like super nerds. Um, that's where they did my first IQ test. And it was super off the charts. And people are, well, you're not at the top of the list. Why would I want to? Do I need someone to give me a cookie that I think weird than anybody else? That I don't see things the way other people do? That I speak math better than I do English? Mm. You know, so this is, this is how they recruit you. They take you in uh, because they see not, you know, what you um, can do for them, you know, to help your nation, but how they can use you to help them, use you to help them. I'm going to repeat that. Use you to help them because in retrospect, uh, after realizing, because I was punished, my last assignment was horrific. I was like, I can't, I don't see how I can, (laughs) you know, too bad. Like, what are you going to do? Once you're in, you're in, right? And so it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to tough it through and then figure out a way. And I did. I did. I really did. Because one thing that I took very seriously was the oath that I took. And um, it, it, it resonated even more. And I, and, I, and I attest that the only reason that, you know, <laughs> this happened, this shift happened was because I was able to have great upbringing and that, you know, maybe it's because, you know, I have a lot of family that are nuns and priests and, uh, you know, I was afforded the opportunity, uh, to be able to, uh, see things differently, you know, travel to nations at a very young age, um, because of, you know, my, my, my upbringing. Oh, you, you know what you, you studied Egypt. Maybe we can try to, let's go see the pyramids. Uh, you know, you, you know about, you know, Christ and the resurrection. Why don't you witness the resurrection at his tomb one year? Uh, and, and that actually helps build foundations because we forget that your family actually is one of the strongest foundations. That's something that can be, that can crack, but will never break. And so it's really important how we raise our children and, um, important how we input that. I see that now, no matter how much I was like, oh, they don't understand me, you know, or how, you know, in the summer when I would go in the summer to my, to my grandparents, I would let loose. It was like a monster was being released the minute I got off that plane. All I wanted to do was like roam around and, but that is an outlet that all of us should have. And what I realize in retrospect by saying this to you again is that there's always an end game. Always. So you have to think to yourself in regards to this uh, coronavirus that is the 19th version. And I was so happy that Kellyanne said it. 19th version. Symbology will always be their downfall. Um, 
you know, it is indeed the most important part, the symbology. Uh, you can start to see things clearer. And by doing that is through debate, through questions, and through listening to those that you don't want to listen to. Paying attention to those you don't want to pay attention to. I learn more watching CNN than anything because they tell me what the end game is. Here's Kellyanne Conway, who got a lot of flack for saying what she said. Take a listen. The president took decisive right. and immediate action the end of January to shut down flights from China. That was criticized by the WHO. It was criticized by other people as xenophobic and racist and travel bans don't work. Well, this one sure did. So we have every right to know and every right to know uh, because of what's happened here in this global pandemic. But there's another reason. Some of the scientists and doctors say that there could be other strains later on. This can come back in the fall in a limited way. Uh, this is COVID-19, not COVID-1, folks. And so you would think the people charged with the World Health Organization uh, facts and figures would be right. on top of that. That this is just a pause right now. So there's an investigation examination to what happened. But people should know the facts. The president took decisive right. and immediate action. People should know the facts. That's key. The end game here is not to see the facts. That is the end game. Not to see the facts. Not to see the facts. It's the 19th version. They've been doing this again and again. How angry are you? How angry are you finding out that your tax dollars actually funded this? How angry are you? You're real angry. You're ready to take the streets. But you know what? We don't do that. We don't, uh, you know, go out on the streets. Um, we don't do what the left does. We don't show the anger like that. We show our anger at the ballots. We show our anger by calling those that are supposed to be representing us. We call our anger out in a peaceful way and in the right way. And this is when you know you're woke, right? That's when you know, when you know that discussion is key, when you know that rapport is key and they know that too. And they will infiltrate your conversations. They will infiltrate every facet that they can because that's what they can do. Now, as we wait for our guests, I just wanted to, um, you know, kind of revisit a few things because my guest is running a little bit late. We're in different time zones. But um, you have to look at what is happening and evolving in front of you in regards to the news cycle. And unfortunately, we can't turn on our television set and see it, uh, you know, except for Tucker Carlson, who I simply adore. Like this guy is just on it, on it completely. I adore him. I mean, Jesse Waters too, uh, but you know, grain of salt right there, but I like him. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I like everybody. I even like Jake Tapper. I feel sorry for him. You know, he didn't ask to be given those foundations, right? And we should all have that compassion uh, when we see people like this. Like I, I always wonder, you know, when Brendan graduated college and he rolled right into the CIA, you know, he was put into that. I've told you, we created the, the Chinese Communist Party. We created it. Our government did. He was rolled into that, that little faction. We created them. There is, there is documentation that shows you this. We promise the nationalist or the Chinese independence, right, that we're trying to overcome communism. We promised them that we were going to give them aid. We promised that we were going to give them all this stuff. And we passed it as legislation and we still left them hanging, didn't we? And what happened? The communists won.
So when we look at China, we also have to understand that that's 20% of the population and none of them asked for this. None of them. None of them asked to be raised with those foundations. None of them asked to be born into those foundations. None of them did. So compassion is key and it's a nice balance that we have to take and we have to appreciate. But at the same time, we should also have limits of what we're, it's kind of like, you know, when you meet someone and someone calls you something foul, you're like, yo, who do you think I am to you? Why would you say that to me? Walk away. <laughs> Just, but I'm done. That's like my line. Boundaries are key in the way we respond to situations. So, you know, ponder on this for a second. The president has boundaries as well as an individual. And he has swallowed a lot of his personal boundaries whole in order to allow them to dictate. Well, no, not to dictate. Yeah, well, they have been dictating the path, but they've also been, this is the way by allowing them to dictate, you allow them to expose their end game. Remember, it's all about methods. So now we know their methods. We know what they're using. And it's not about, <laughs> it's all about infiltration. And, uh, this has been said so many times on air through me. I, I can't even count. So another little tidbit I know, because a lot of people are probably anxious to learn about, you know, what happened with TAC, how's it going? Uh, I, I want to reinforce cause I'm getting a lot of those DMS. Listen, every single person you see in office right now, there's insurance. I mean, I could just picture it one day uh, when I do get to go to Congress where they're going to say, well, tell us, and, and you know, if, if they dare to question me and if they're still there, right, I'll be like, well, you want to talk about this first because it's there. Can someone go to the files here and pull it out, please? How's we talk about this then? How's we talk about that then? Because that is where you call them to the carpet. I'm the person that will call you to the carpet. I remember, small example, small example. Um, local state um, senators and uh, were talking. And they were talking about some bill that was being passed that was to block the ability of people, average people, average constituents, to see communications between them and agencies of the state. So, like, if your senator uh, in your state wanted to, um, you know, uh, uh, pretty much send an email to someone and say, hi, um, I want to know what we're going to do with garbage. Let's just say you're not allowed to see it as a constituent while they're colluding with that agency to get it done. Right. This is what the, the law that was being passed. And these people try, you know, put parade themselves as, you know, constitutionalist, uh, you know, we believe in rights and it's like, then why would you sign that? Why would you put concrete boots on transparency if you're for that? And out of the whole room, everyone was applauding and there's me coming out like one of those random farts at tables. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. How can you stand there and say it? Why can't I, that has elected you, see communications with other agencies? Why are you saying, we might talk about yoga. Why would you be contacting the state auditor's office, the secretary of state, the attorney general to talk about yoga? Are you kidding? What are you pulling a Hillary card? This is how you call them to the carpet. 
And the thing is, calling people to the carpet has to be done at the right time. And that was the perfect time because they all turned red and had nothing to say and kind of just like, oh, you know, you don't understand. And all these other idiots that are throwing money at them were like, yeah, maybe she doesn't understand. They're talking about personal things. And you have to ask yourself, why would my senator have personal stuff to talk about with different agencies in the state? First of all, it's like they just recycled Hillary Clinton's answer. So anyway, having said that, that's exactly what we are seeing in our Senate and Congress. Uh, they are throwing fluff in your eyes. All of them have been insured. The insurance is already there in the hands of the State Department. Uh, I've said it. Brennan had the majority of it collected. And, you know, you have to then ask yourself, <laughs> Barack Hussein Obama, who is he? Oh, he just appeared somewhere in Chicago. Oh, then why did he have one of the most prolific intelligence agents that were attached to the, you know, um, PACCOM, he was, he was Asia all over, right? Whispering in his ear while he was Senator. Like how many senators do you know, have people like Brennan sitting right next to them talking in their ears? Not many. Well, actually you do, but you don't see them much. You see them on TV when they're testifying and you have that weird guy with the glasses or, you know, these random people that you're like, who is that person staring intensely? Uh, now they do, but no one asked that question back then. And McCain was very, very upset with it because McCain thought he was God. I mean, he, he got a God funeral, didn't he? You never see that happen. Nobody questioned that. He got a funeral just like JFK. Who was McCain? He was a loser. He was a tyrant. He was despicable. And he was a stool pigeon. He sold his country out. So, you know, he was a turncoat. That's basically it. So, um, on that note, uh, my guest has arrived and I want to introduce my, I will let my guests introduce themselves. And what I thought that we could do, we've talked for over two and a half years. I've been telling you about my time travel and my time travel is, you know, pretty much predictive mathematics. And this is how I'm so accurate on everything that I have put out. There has not been one hiccup except for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But like I've told you, Clones have rights too, and you're just not ready for that. So, and I'm not saying she's a clone, okay? Uh, that that I actually gave to Millie, so she'll put that out for you. But um, these are things that are real. Time travel is real, and the, this is why we have reality hackers because the past is fixed, the future is not, and that can be you know changed with a wave of shift of thought. So, without further ado, let me bring my guest on. Um, Austin, are you there? Can you hear me? I am. How's it going, Doctor Linden? Sorry. For the hiccup there, I had you penciled in for Pacific time for some reason. Totally spaced on that, but glad to be with you here now. I am too. So introduce yourself to my audience that may not know you. My name's Austin. I'm working on a military intelligence project for DIA called QAnon. I'm working to unite the country and uh, help us help kind of galvanize our resolve to be moving the needle on some, some of these big problems that we are been trying to solve for a long time, but maybe not, haven't necessarily had the uh, focus or the resolve to uh, pull, you know, finish it up. Awesome. Um, so, so, go ahead. I know, I was going to say, uh, do you have any questions? Well, I thought we could talk about time travel because my audience is very well versed on my version of it and how, you know, it's not exactly what they see and that, you know, that is done through uh, really fancy algorithms, um, predictive, uh, you know, predictive 
outcomes, I would say, when you can input uh, certain variables in and get a percentage. So I wanted your take, because it might be completely different to mine, on what time travel is, because I had heard you mention that. So I thought it would be interesting for my audience to hear. Yes, yeah, so um, kind of the, the preface I like to give people, because every time you start saying stuff like time travel, there people are like, what? Like, what are you talking about? So, so kind of the example I like to give, the mainstream thing that people have heard of before is a thing called time dilation. And that's just a scientific concept of the, the fact that the rate of which something's experiencing time at sea level and the rate at which you're experiencing time at various high altitudes is slightly different. So um, time dilation is something that satellite engineers have had to take into account since the 50s, right? So our GPS satellites, they, they would not work unless we calibrated for this time dilation that happens. So that's kind of the bite-sized piece I like to give people. So that way it's, you know, like, oh, this is a thing. It's not just me, you know, making stuff up on the Internet. This is a true scientific fact that's been around for a long time. And uh, kind of building on that, um, I, I had that UFO video um, talking about physics and talking about how some of the footage of the things released by the U.S. Navy, um, the aerial maneuvers they were performing would not be possible unless they were uh, warping time. Um, and then I also have talked about um, the quantum internet that I've been using. So the quantum internet is essentially like using a time warping computer to create an internet that you can send instant messages back and forth to yourself uh, at any point in time. So, so uh, that's kind of the. So I just wanted to say uh, time. I, I just wanted to say I wanted to like focus just on the time dilation for a second. So I want to talk to my uh, my my audience will remember that in February, uh, the first week of February, I said you know something feels weird with this energy. It feels like time has just put on concrete boots, and that this month is going to be super long is because we're in a time dilation. This is exactly what I said because something is brewing and they're rehashing out what they need to do, which means they need more time. So time is perceived differently because it's being almost paused or suspended or delayed. And, uh, you know, obviously I interact with my audience a lot and, you know, they were like, Hey, you know, you're kind of right because this month seems super slow. And then now people in retrospect are like, wait a minute, we're only four months into the year, not even four months. We've just completed three months. It feels like 10 years have passed and so much has happened. So time dilation, yes, experiencing time differently. Your age also helps because it's a way you perceive time. It's actually not something linear. Um, it's something actually almost like perfect chaos. Um, so I wanted to talk about this time dilation. If you could tell us more about it, because this is like my spiel, you know, this is my domain. Like I live for it. I have a friend that actually wrote papers, a really good friend that I uh, look up to where, you know, wrote a paper on how the perception of time uh, can be altered depending on your age, how when you're young, time looks really slow, but when you're old, you can pretty much, and I quote him, see the grass grow. Like talk about how the manipulation of time or uh, the speed or the slowing down assists in the way they maneuver how we respond to things. Yes, yeah, so, so kind of the big thing to keep in mind, the hard concept, I think, for, to wrap your head around or for anybody to wrap their head around is that uh, time is a dynamic force controlled by gravity, not necessarily this linear concept thing that we've always been raised to believe it was. Um, so with that time dilation example, uh, if uh, you would take, like if you'd be in the basement of 
the One World Trade Center building in New York, for example, just any tall building, you'd be experiencing time way slower than people standing in the, uh, in the top floor of that. And that's just, uh, I mean, it's not way slower. It would be, like, slightly different. But um, the point I'm trying to make is that it's controlled by gravity. Right, so you can use gravitational fields to uh, control time one way or another, and uh, where that applies into some of this quantum technology that I'm talking about is uh, with graphene. So Einstein had this rule, or Einstein struggled with the idea of time travel because there's this law of physics that um, for every action there has to be an equal and opposite reaction, and Einstein knew that to uh, go faster than the, or to alter the speed of time, you'd have to go faster than the speed of light. And he put his equations together and kind of theorized that the amount of force it would take you to propel you that fast would be, if you had any mass whatsoever, would be nearly infinite, right? So it was kind of a, a really impossible problem to solve. And how we get around that in quantum computing is that there's this uh, new material, or newish material called graphene. And what that is, is that is a layer of graphite shaved to one atom thick. And when it's electrified in the right way, that graphene uh, loses its mass. So we can kind of beat that physics law of we would need an infinite amount of energy to make that thing go faster than the speed of light by making it not have mass anymore. Okay, so... Or making it appear as if it doesn't have mass. So, Austin, uh, my audience that has been, uh, you know, with me since I had my own show and those that have been following me for years where I just, you know, write things and put things together. Actually, a really, really good friend of mine, super bestie, that I'm looking to, at one point, pilot some telomere research on, uh, you know, how we can extend or reinforce uh, telomeres. Um, he actually invented a way to mass-create lightweight graphics. He actually had done it on a video <laughs> in his lab that he has in his garage where he just created it in a red cup. And so he had a contract with Argon Labs only three years ago where he put it together. Now, graphene is something that I've been talking about a lot to my listeners in respects to using that kind of nanotech because it's so lightweight. And like you said, the mass is almost disappeared at some senses on how this is kind of being used um, in a biological sense uh, to assist and create what they call sticky feet on DNA in order to rewrite. And that's because, you know, what people don't realize is that the that the best quantum computer is between the six inches between our ears. And um, that has always been uh, a target because, you know, like you said, quantum computing is able to tap into and uh, perform in different ways. So having said that, with the whole, you know, graphene and quantum computing, we know that graphene is, is uh, highly sought tech and um, uh, tech, you would say, to be implemented in tech, but now also being used in uh, a biological sense. So how do you feel or how do you feel about the idea that maybe this, uh, you know, quantum computing that is to come is actually one that would be endogenous to people by manipulating elements as such? Um, so, so kind of the way... Uh, that your thoughts work is that you have these RNA molecules in your brain, and that that's kind of like what controls like your memories and your thoughts. And uh, with some of this quantum technology, as you mentioned, you got a fancy little quantum computer there between your between your ears. Um, there, we're able to wirelessly manipulate the RNA molecules 
in your brain and create kind of a wireless interface there. Um, and obviously, this has been you know a Pandora's box of a technology because you know it can it can facilitate uh, you know us augmenting ourselves and and really solving hard problems and getting awesome things done, or it can facilitate a you know like robot slave sort of an existence um, for in a very dystopian future. So um, it's been kind of this dancing act of we're trying to get this stuff out there, but we're also trying to make sure that we are cleaning up our government majorly in the meantime uh, so that way this technology doesn't fall into the hands of the wrong people. And uh, we got, you know, evil vampires in the government that can directly manipulate the thoughts in your brain. Right. right. So, so how do we, so, so that's the question. How do we discern? Because I've been telling, you know, having been, uh, you know, under the wing of most of these bad people and working for their independent, you know, private companies, because everyone seems to think the NSA, CIA, FBI, all that information, and even the Pentagon, right? We all know this. All that information is actually now under Brennan had been pulled into Global Strategies Group out in Luxembourg. And it's kind of like on tap, they have information that they want, pay the highest price, whatever, and it's only in the hands of the few. So in there, aside from data collection, whether they're crunching numbers in order to find ways to manipulate the mass populations and how they can, uh, you know, just use people in general... They're also talking about using technologies as such, which we are already using, aren't we, Austin? Yeah, there's, there's been really, uh, I would say, a smaller scale test of this kind of stuff for, for a while now. So, um, uh, and, and go on. Sorry. It, it just underscores the, the need to which, like, our, our military and our intelligence apparatus has been very corrupted, and we need to get back into a situation of where, you know, the military is going to be collecting data. Uh, either way, right, to, to keep us safe, but we got to make sure that we don't have these vampire corporations, you know, also tapping into that data and using it for all kinds of extra uh, nefarious extracurricular activities. So, okay. Like, such as the such, project you're alleging in Luxembourg. Right. So that, that is actually, yeah. So it could be, it's, it's kind of like the brain. I don't know, like uh, we see in sci-fi movies where they have like this massive brain encapsulated in like some, you know, glass jar and everyone can go and touch the glass jar and just learn what they want. That's how I see, uh, you know, GSG, uh, which by the way is called GSG around the world, but the main one is Global Strategies Group and a lot of people mistaken it for Global Securities Group, but it is interchangeable. Don't get me wrong, but the, all the other ones are subsidiaries uh, because it does link back to the crown, but the crown is actually a subject of this hub global strategies group. Um, so I just wanted to think like, uh, you know, how, maybe we could take it to like, okay, I don't know what you can say or whatnot, because I know a lot of people question who you are, what you are. And for me, the bottom line is whatever it is, and it shouldn't be anybody's business, but your own. And you're undergoing a trial of your own, you know, a cross that you carry. The one thing that I noticed, which rang really, really loud for me is, wait a minute, they're saying all this, but they're not prosecuting him for representing a federal agent. So ergo probably is a federal 
asset. So, <laughs> um, so having said that, what you can say, I would like people to understand how important it is that if someone has all this information, uh, you know, or maybe point out nefarious activities that are already public or maybe not so public, um, that can show just how, um, they thrive with their, um, almost like a double O none of your business card to do whatever they want. Yeah. So, so I'll, uh, so, so they, they, I overuse the crap of classification and, um, kind of, I guess one of the best examples I can give of like them using nefarious things that they pitched to us for a legitimate basis, but it kind of like went really sideways was uh, during the war in Syria, as seen in the WikiLeaks, um, you could pull up emails of the, like Google has this like special tax group, and they were working with the CIA to make this very sophisticated uh, like psychological defection weapon. So the idea of this was they wanted to go, like if we, they wanted Bashar al-Assad in Syria to go, they went and they mapped out all of his you know top generals, all of his top political people, all, everybody that kind of facilitates his government around him. And uh, Google, of course, if you know, they, they control analytics in just about every web page. So, so they have this massive store worldwide of very sophisticated data uh, for each individual person of like, what do you look at on the internet? What do you like? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? What makes you amped up? What, you know, so, so they can really very solid psychological profile of you based on your internet activity because they have analytics at every almost every site. So with that, then they can uh, tweak the algorithm and they can do this on a personalized basis, right? Because they have so many uh, just vast computing resources. Uh, so they can say, uh, you know, such and such general under Assad, you know, he is freaked out by this sort of thing. So let's feed him lots more of this kind of information through, through algorithm, like when he does searches for stuff. And it will, over time, like, make him more scared and more scared and more scared about, like, what the future this is going to be until he kind of defects and leaves. And uh, so they, they had this weapon they're using in Syria, they're using it in Egypt, they're using it in Libya, they're using it all over the place. And they were kind of fine-tuning these, uh, like, how do we make someone defect and stop supporting their leader? And how do we kind of pick these other people and like set them off and kind of like stick them on that leader? Um, so they were developing these really advanced psychological weapons, and they were doing that at CIA, you know, saying, "Oh, we got to promote freedom around the world. That's why we got to be this hardcore." Uh, but the second that Trump got elected, they started turning those weapons on us, like on the American, the general population, right? And so they started using those weapons of like, what makes people anxious? What makes people pissed? What makes people amped up to do this or that? And the, I mean, it's why a good, a big reason why right now, if you go in certain neighborhoods and you have a Make America Great Again hat on, like you will likely get physically attacked by people, and and so so it just shows you how powerful uh, these psychological weapons on the internet uh, can be, especially if they're like hyper personalized in the way that they are. Um, it's it's hard for a lot of people to to wrap it around the idea that Google could have the computing resources to be on an automatic basis, uh, cultivating and targeting individuals, at, you know, like millions and millions of individuals at once. Uh, but that's, that's kind of exactly what's happening here. And that was one of the things that really amped me up uh, personally was, hey, what, what are you guys doing? You know, you're, you're taking these weapons that are supposed to be 
uh, weapons of foreign warfare, and you are essentially just using them on an unrestrained basis directly at the American population. Just totally, totally beyond the pale, totally ridiculous. And one of the reasons why it takes such dramatic steps to start creating back channels and trying to uh, unwind some of these these uh, false narratives that they've been pushing out there. Right. So, well, I, you know, these weapons have, as I told my audience, been used against them for over a century uh, because it's through fear and through your um, emotions that, you know, they put you in this position where you stall. I mean, I've never interviewed anyone like myself um, before, but, um, you know, I would like to, 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 to reinforce to everyone that these have constantly been used. Our fears were realized in 9-11. Our fears were realized, you know, with um, the Cold War. Our fears were realized and they were amplified by things like, you know, while we were undergoing this Cold War thing, you know, we had Rocky movies coming out showing us just how big of a villain Russia is and everyone was so excited to take down this big bad Russian dude. So these are all tools that we use. Now, uh, speaking of tools, like I... um, was talking to my audience and I've done this before where we're talking about DARPA and how they infiltrate, uh, you know, uh, groups of people, how they create sock puppets and, you know, how they discuss. So, you know, if you remember, like the first thing that I, um, you know, said to you was like, you know, you're coming out like, uh, you know, the quinceanera was like, Hey, um, this totally reminded me like textbook and obviously being DIA, you know, which is almost one of the same as DARPA for me, because that's where most of the conversations happen. How did you like decide to, you know, just suddenly amplify and, you know, come out and make all these revelations that have been seeping uh, through back channels, um, you know, in a very nice and orderly fashion, but had to like take it up to the next notch? Like what, um, what was the turning point for that? How was that decision made? Uh, well, it was just one of those things we had kind of, uh, with the QAnon movement, I would say, we've kind of reached a, a plateau, right, of where there's the, the people that believe, believe, right, and it's, it's there's a lot, there, I mean, there's thousands of posts in there, right, so, so it's kind of designed for people who enjoy that stuff more, right, that enjoy researching, that enjoy, you know, kind of checking up on, on the tangible facts. Um, that are kind of into the idea of the fact that there's, you know, conspiracies that we don't know about. Um, so it had a certain kind of crowd that it was playing to. And we had kind of reached our, I don't say maximum, but close to our maximum potential um, using that format, right? So, so to bring the, the next wave of people on board with us, there had to be, uh, you know, more tangible facts. There had to be, like, a source. There had to be, like, a name, a face, somebody, like, you could look into, somebody you could assess their credibility, um, somebody that, you know, is telling you this is how I know that, right, not just what the information is. So, so it just, uh, I mean, I, I personally was not crazy about the idea of, like, putting my name out there. Um, and, of course, my family definitely wasn't either. But uh, it's one of those things that's necessary because in, until I do, or unless I do, then it's just kind of a random letter. And a, a lot of people, you know, aren't, no matter what is on the boards, no matter how true that may be, um, no matter how empirical some of the things that it's posting about and, and able to be checked into, they are, um, it, it needed to have a name, a face, and kind of some tangible details behind it to be able to be uh, realistically weighed in the minds of many, many more smart people that we're trying to bring on board with us. Okay. People that, you know, they've been doing their own research in various 
uh, parts of this, and they maybe just weren't comfortable coming forward and endorsing it because they didn't know who was behind it, right? They don't know, is this, uh, you know, some foreign country messing with us? Is this a legit thing? Is this, you know, just some library on the internet? You know, people don't know until someone comes forward. So uh, that was kind of the idea of me doing that. And I know some people feel like I might, might have tried to make things about me. Uh, but the idea of that wasn't necessarily to put, put the focus on me by any sense. It was to um, try to legitimize uh, the story there, right, that's being told, the narrative that's being told, the big picture, uh, by putting, you know, a name, a face, and some tangible details behind it. Okay. Well, you know, for, for, for putting a face, I mean, uh, having myself created, uh, you know, uh, a way and, and trained to have a way to uh, manufacture uh, the right information and package it uh, without giving it a name, I found that was more successful. So, I, you know, I find that, you know, um, the, 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 the boards are, 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 are great. And, uh, you know, for me, like if I was in that hub, it's like, oh, let's put a face. I would have been the one voting no, um, I, you know, because Q is everybody, um, and that is how I, you know I envisioned it for say uh, that um, Q would never come out. Q would never say who, what, when, because everyone is Q. That's how I envisioned it. But you know, that's just me uh, because it, th that's a strategy that's worked for me, uh, working in you know more clandestine op operations for GSG and uh, this method was tried and tested because, you know, um, well, obviously with a few tweaks all the time. So maybe this could have been a tweak because it's a little bit, um, you know, it comes uh, at a time where people have decided to shed uh, the ideology that you must have a face, you must have a name, you must have a brand. You can be absolutely no one and inspire almost in the sense of like a uh, you know, re-inspiring yourself. I mean, that's how I saw it. But uh, so moving along from that, yeah, you have. It seems like it seems like you have more of a background in like military and intelligence sort of things, right? So, so you have a pre-existing like you know from your own life experience that the worst thing is the worst case scenario is definitely possible that the people running the show are the like pretty depraved a lot of the times, uh, and there's a lot of people maybe we call them the normies that don't necessarily they're not into that world they don't necessarily see that on a daily basis and they just uh, there's a lot of smart people that just won't be able to come on board until there's an actual source so it's one of those things um, you know we've just reached our I would say maximum capacity as a um, anonymous kind of a movement and there just had to be something of like look there's stuff here there's, you know, uh, connecting the dots of saying, like, it's not just, you know, the cabal, for like, the, the vague cabal. It's, it's specifically this organization called D6, uh, things like that. So, uh, and i, I got to tell you, I was uh, not very crazy at all about putting my name out there, but, uh, you know, do, do, do whatever I'm ordered, do what i got to do, and uh, I think it's going to end up working out great for us and helping bring a lot more people into the fray to help us with this QAnon movement. Okay, yeah, because um, I, I, I just wanted to say, like, when you mentioned Greenland a year ago in March, I talked about Greenland. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, that's because the president had, you know, retweeted the picture with the Trump Tower in Greenland. And I was explaining to people about rare earth materials um, because the state of North Dakota is actually quite rich in that. That's something that they're looking into, too. But Greenland is highly uh, enriched, um, more so on other, you know, natural uh, resources such as uranium and titanium and, 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 per se. Any ANEMs are there. Let's just say that. Not titanium specifically, but other ANEMs that people don't know that are not mainstream. So, um, you know, her the abdication of uh, the Queen of Denmark uh, came just as I had also (laughs) stated that she would have abdicated, which is like throne death. That is literally murder of the crown. Uh, Because the last time Denmark ever had an abdication was in 1146. And the only reason they stepped down is because they're going to die or because their brothers, sisters, mothers, whatever, are now going to take the throne. And they're like, you either give me the crown or I'm going to kill you. And so it is totally defiant to, uh, you know, Danish culture that this would happen. So what is your take? I mean, the abdication, because you kind of said, look, you either, you know, you're going to die in like 30 days, you said, but it could have just meant crown death. Like, what was your perspective of why she was going to go within 30 days? Um, and in this sense, she did abdicate. Uh, well, she's abdicating on the April 16th when it's her birthday. On her 80th birthday, she's like, oh, you know, I'm calling it quest and stuff. So what is your take on why that abdication was to happen and for what reason? Oh, well, it's, it's one of those things. She's been involved in this really sadistic uh, group of royals that, that has run Europe for a while. So, so Queen Elizabeth, I would say, is the like, iron throne of that, like the main, most formidable royal. Uh, but we got a bunch of other royals, like uh, the ones that run Liechtenstein. Um, the Netherlands are run by um, Queen Elizabeth's cousins. Uh, the or Belgium, like where the EU is, also run by some of Queen Elizabeth's cousins. Uh, so they've just had this like royal gangbanger act going on for a long time. And kind of what um, we were doing there is, um, you know, some people were thinking like, oh man, this guy is crazy. Why is he threatening this queen? Why is he making us look bad? And they don't realize that. Uh, what we're trying to do there is just show how foreign policy, like in in practicality in real life, like how that actually works. Um, and a lot of times it's with uh, these sorts of threats and co- coercion and there's blackmail. And uh, so, so with her, it was kind of like, hey, we want Greenland, like, or you'll die. And so um, we gave her 30 days to decide, and, it, you know, it got announced that, she decided, uh, I don't necessarily want to take the, I, w- I want to save a little face and make it seem like maybe we're not just rolling over and dying, so I'm going to say pass and kind of let the next people deal with it. Um, so so it's, it's in, in my mind, it's, it's a way for them to try to save a little face, uh, but it's something that, you know, we're, we're going to be taking Greenland either way. So uh, um, this, this ambiguity of, like, there being, you know, new people coming in, and um, any any crown, any uh, royal family, they they are by far at their weakest point whenever they are between leaders. Uh, so so great example of this would be when Queen Elizabeth was being seated. Uh, the her dad had brought back Winston Churchill for like he was a politician, uh, but he had essentially three separate political careers: uh, one during the lead up to World War One, one during the lead up to World War and during World War Two, and then he kind of like got voted out and got brought back um, to help 
uh, seat Queen Elizabeth. So the, her dad, Queen Elizabeth's dad, recognized um, kind of how weak the monarchy is um, when you don't have a leader that's um, you know established and there's consolidated power. Um, so what this will do, that this Queen abdication will do, is it will allow for you know a lot of shaking up of their government and and a lot of um, you know uncertainty of their new roles if they want to get anywhere near the crown. Right, if they want to, if they want to actually successfully be seated and not just die, then they're going to make some serious concessions with us. Okay. And I think they're they're coming into things. They understand that that's the case. They understand that like we in the United States at this point in time do not feel that Denmark has any legitimate claim to Greenland whatsoever. It's a totally arbitrary medieval thing that happened back in the day, and we're not we don't respect that anymore. We don't recognize royal claims over anything anymore. So. Um, it's it's just putting their their monarchy into a weakened state, and now we kind of exact the concessions that we need, right? And it's not like we want to go. It's not like we want to go kill them. It's not like we want to go to war. Uh, and even if we did have to deal with them, we wouldn't be. We would do it in a way that it wouldn't affect the actual people of Denmark, right? Because people of Denmark are great people. Don't have any beef with them. Uh, but we just had to leverage ourselves into a situation. Uh, to where we can make the moves we need to make, right? We need to stop relying on China for rare earth minerals. We need to stop protecting Afghanistan um, because of, you know, they, they claim that we need to do that partly because we need to get the rare earth minerals. Uh, we need to have a source here in our hemisphere. It's like a major strategic interest of the United States. Well, that and sounds, so, that's, uh, that sounds though, but that sounds like, you know, symmetric warfare, uh, you know, the, the, that kind of strategy of like, you know, forcing them and, you know, in order to satisfy needs, you know, uh, fun fact, you know, the first time I ever saw General Flynn myself was on an assignment at an embassy and this man looked like he was radiating light and he probably thought I was the weirdest person ever because I just gravitated <laughs> to him as he was having a conversation and I literally touched his forearm that was holding a glass and just looked at him and he smiled so kindly. It's like I knew he was the best. Well, one thing that I did, you know, that I know that he's, uh, you know, super, you know, strong on is um, the concept of, um, you know, asymmetric warfare or asymmetric engagement, right, as they say it. So we that is that for people to understand this irregular type of warfare that we have or, or the concept of it. Is that you have the professional, you know, people uh, or the cabal, your establishment, your military, or but per se, it's not our military because our military, uh, you know, for the majority take their oath very seriously. I was an awesome sailor. So um, what um, it is, is that you have these people that are established and then you have the resistance, this insurgency. And the insurgency uh, always maintains a cloak and dagger. They would never come out. And this is this is the struggle that a lot of people are having is that that is something that, you know, General Flynn would totally go back to uh, keeping it cloak and dagger because when you have an insurgency as such, you know, no one is safe and it's best to make the masses part of this warfare in order to ensure that there's no status or no identification of unlawful combatants uh, when this happens. Because unfortunately, irregular warfare, asymmetric warfare, 
they're all one in the same as counterterrorism operations and, you know, um, oh, what's the other one? Counter, uh, insurgency, gorilla, right? So we can't see people waking up and being identified as gorillas, right? We're not conducting that. But see, this is how words play a role. So everyone is sticking to the fact that this is irregular warfare, that we have digital soldiers, then digital by means anonymous soldiers. So why would at this point someone, you know, emerge and put the face on it? And before you answer, I just wanted to say, I, my airtime live is off, but I will continue to record this um, and then have it up as a full um, podcast so I can get like an extra 10 minutes with Austin if he's okay with that, because we only have like three minutes okay, left. Okay, yeah, no worries. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd, I'd be happy to come back later this week. Guys. We got a little bit buzzed on the time there, so I'd be happy to spend more time with you. Okay, well, well, that, that, well, well. okay so well, that's the question that everyone has. If the general himself had inferred and the notion of itself has been inferred to maintain this digital status without becoming tangible and reliant, you know, uh, I, I hear that you say that it came to a capacity, but for me, I'm just seeing the movement of just thinking for yourself and taking information for yourself, moving higher and higher and higher. People are getting braver under this umbrella of this amazing president that has given them the cover to be able to do that. So, you know, out of all times, like, why now? That's like the super question, like, why now? Uh, yeah, so, so so, the idea is, um, like, there's a lot of people, right, and it's not necessarily justified of a sentiment that in our country and around the world that are just reflexively skeptical of any sort of intelligence operations whatsoever. You know, they, they don't make the distinction, oh, this is a good one, this is a bad one, this is a right one, this is a left one. They just reflexively, any U.S. military involvement, any U.S. intelligence services involvement in any way, shape, form, or fashion is reflexively bad, and we just kind of want to reject that. So, so with the, the military, right, the military is going to be taking over the Internet. And that would be an extremely um, like hard-fought, tough pill for a lot of people to swallow if they weren't able to kind of assess the people that were going to be maybe taking that over. So, so this is kind of, it's really unorthodox, and it probably won't have happened like this again. But the idea is to be as honest as possible and uh, just kind of like be as open as possible so that we can be beating back some of that reflexive skepticism of, you know, U.S. military involvement in anything, right? Because it's not just the United States citizens that we got to get on board with that. It's the rest of the people in the world that we got to get on board with that as well. And obviously, you know, we've been, you, if you work around Brennan, you know, we've been kind of doing some horrible things around the world and making people distrust us. So this is kind of the idea of this is there will be, you know, a massive, uh, let's say, guerrilla effort behind the scenes that will continue. Um, but it, it's putting a face and a, like, a ability for people to digest like who who is this? What what is their motives? Um, why why do we need to do these things? Um, just helping us get past that kind of reflexive skepticism, if that makes sense. That would and and if we could do that, uh, we can kind of generate some of this uh, overwhelming democratic mandate. Um, we can really uh, knock out like do make a lot of the sweeping changes that we're trying to make um, and not have civil war ensuing. Or, you know, unfolding underneath our feet because people are so scared of what's happening. Excellent. Uh, well, right, so, well, so even with even with General Flynn, right, not everybody knows General Flynn, 
And a lot of people just look at someone like him and be like, oh, he's an army man. He was a DIA general. Like, I just don't trust him reflexively because he's intelligence. So this is to try to kind of extend an olive branch to those people and try to bring back some of those people onto the fray that are maybe reflexively skeptical of uh, military involvement categorically. Okay, well, because the time is almost up and I have like literally 10 seconds, you're going to come back here at some point and I want to thank you for this very reflective uh, interview and so that people understand, you know, that there's more than just, you know, hyped videos or talking and um, they can learn a lot more through dialogue. On that note, um, thank you, Austin, for coming to the Tory Says Show. I can't wait to have you back so we can ask more questions because it's through questions that we learn and we see and we understand and um, I wish you all the best and you know we'll be in communication so at some point in the future I have you back on here on the Tory Sess show thank you so much yep thank I, would, I would like to come back very, sometime very soon I know we got maybe a little shorter time today than expected but I'd like to make that up to you as soon as possible and uh, we'll, we'll keep the dialogue going I appreciate your questions and I'd be happy to answer them anytime I appreciate it. Thank you, Austin. God bless everyone from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. Have a great evening. Thanks.